Today we look at a story about two men who are having an argument over whether or not God exists. By the end of the story, one of them knows for sure. And then we've traveled all over the world, chasing down UFOs, investigating alien abductions, and visitations from another planet. Today we visit a place we've never covered in the UFO realm, which leads to a bigger question. Why aren't aliens visiting the Middle East? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I've moved back out to my living room for now. It's getting too spooky in the haunted closet. It got a little late. I don't like to be in the haunted closet that late at night. But you know who I do like to be around late at night? <laughs> like a really weird intro. Our newest Patreon supporter, Jesse Batchelder. Everyone give a round. Everyone give a round of applause to Jesse. A very awkward round of applause for Jesse Batchelder. He's like, what? Am, am I not even writing in on anything? You're writing in on a glow worm. Those big nighttime glow worms. Remember those? If you're my age, Jesse's like, no, I'm 27. And I'm just guessing if that's actually your age, that, that's weird that I guessed it. Not that you're actually that age. Jesse, you're our captain, our pilot this episode. You are. He's like, just a glowworm? That's all I get? I get to ride in on some 80s stuffed animal? Jesse, I'm running out of ideas. You're our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, or if you have better ideas for things to ride on, that's perfect. Just, But either way, just still spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. So, Jesse, put away your favorite toy. Put away that glowworm. He's Googling glowworm. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You guys remember glowworms? I actually used to have one. Jesse, go ahead and put away your glowworm. And I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed out to Taylor, Illinois. Not only are we in Taylor, Illinois, we're also in... You guys love it. You guys miss it. Some of you guys don't know what this segment is. New news. New news was a segment I started doing a long time ago. I have a folder saved on my computer. I'm really paranoid. I've actually gotten lackadaisical about it now, because really in reference to yesterday's episode, I used to believe that information could be deleted at a whim, and that's true. And I used to download web pages. I wouldn't believe that they would be there the next day. We've all read 1984, and if you haven't, you should. It's a great book. So I would download web pages, and over time, I was like, this is ridiculous. That's what bookmarks are for. But it's funny, I've started doing it again now. I've started archiving web pages, especially Reddit pages, because they disappear so quickly. But New News is a folder of old news articles that I downloaded. Let's take a look at this one. This one's really interesting. Obviously, I wouldn't waste your time with an uninteresting one. Jesse, I want you to pull this Jason Jalopy up to a little house in Taylor, Illinois. It's October 18th, 2004. It's a sunny afternoon. Don't check the weather report. <laughs> it's been a rainstorm. But just for visual, sun in the sky, clouds, and us sitting outside of this house. All of this information I got from an article in the Community Free Press written by Joel Thurtell. This article seems to have been written right after the crime. It's almost like Joel was hiding in the bushes and was writing this down. We don't have the names of anyone involved in the story. So I'm going to call the 49-year-old man in the story. We're going to call him Scott. And then there's a 62-year-old man involved as well. His name's going to be Louie. Scott and Louie are hanging out at Scott's house. Scott and Louie are hanging out. 
And the conversation of religion comes up, and Scott asks Louis, do you believe in God? And Louis says, no, I don't believe in God. That kind of ruffles Scott's feathers. That kind of jingles his keys. And Scott's thinking, hmm, I didn't even know I had keys on me. I didn't even know that was a turn of phrase. I can't believe this guy doesn't believe in God. Who doesn't believe in God? Like, you look outside, you see the blue sky. You look out, you see that You see that old-timey car. It's full of a bunch of podcast listeners. All of these are miracles. And that perplexes Scott, though. He's like, how can you not believe in God? So he asks Louie again. He goes, three seconds have passed. Maybe his opinion has changed. Louis, are you telling me that you don't believe in God? Are you sure you don't believe in God? And Louis goes, I do not believe in God. <laughs> He's chasing him around with green eggs and a ham. Do you believe in God on a porch? I do not. Scott keeps asking, do you believe in God? Louis keeps saying no. So at one point, Scott goes, you know what? I, I don't even know what to think of this. And he gets up and he goes in the bathroom and he's looking in the mirror and he goes, this is the weirdest detail. This is where it starts to get weird. First off, it's just two dudes arguing about God. Boring, right? But he, for whatever reason, during the middle of this religious conversation, Scott thinks, okay, I know how to win him over. He walks into the bathroom. He shaves. He shaves. He's going to say it was a miracle. He was like, Louie, remember I was just out here with a beard and then I walked in the bathroom and the beard's gone. Only God has that power. I don't know if this, I don't know if that was his gimmick, but he shaves. He gives himself a nice clean shave. Then he takes his shirt off and he's probably like, dude, look at these pecs. Only God could craft a body like this. Scott goes out to the living room. Louis sitting on the couch and Scott goes, listen, I'm going to ask you one more time. Now that you've seen how clean shaven I am and look at my body. Does God exist? Louis says no. I'm not, I'm not fooled. I know what that is that you just shaved. And Scott's like, dang it. So Scott then comes up with another idea. Honestly, it's technically technically it's a better idea than shaving and taking your shirt off, but morally it's the wrong idea. He goes and he grabs a shotgun, he comes back into the living room, and Louis is sitting on the couch. This is an exact quote from the article in the Community Free Press. Let me read this to you here. Scott says, quote, How long would it take you to believe in God? Not until I hear Gabriel blow his horn, the victim allegedly said, while tipping his hat. Is this the beginning of the atheist tipping your hat meme? Like, I know it can't be right. It can't be right. Here's a guy who's straight up a shotgun is not being aimed at him, but in his presence being held by someone else. The man, cleanly shaven, <laughs> cleanly shaven man, this is the most dangerous of all men, cleanly shaven, no shirt, asks him if he believes in God. He says, not until Gabriel blows his horn and then tips his hat. Now, we don't know what kind of hat. <laughs> it's lost to time. The journalist did not say it was a fedora. Who knows? But could this have been the beginning? This was 2004, by the way. It wasn't super ancient. At the sound of this last denial, Scott raises the shotgun. 911, what's your emergency? Well, um, I shaved. <laughs> I shaved. Um, so when the cops come, they'll see a cleanly shaved man with a, a body built from God. <laughs> the 911 operator's like, okay, okay, get to it. <laughs> Did you take too many drugs? What's going on? Scott says he, quote, shot the devil himself. He also told the 911 operator he was still standing over the body and, quote, in case he moved, I want to make sure he's gone, unquote. 
911 sends a couple deputies out there. The 911 operator asks Scott, how many times did you shoot the victim? And he says, quote, hopefully enough. The deputies come out there. When they show up, Louis is dead on the scene. Grievous injuries. Grievous, grievous injuries. They said when they walked in, there's there's nothing they could do. They're, the ambulance is walking out. The cops are waving them off. They're like, don't worry about it, guys. Massive head wound. Two rounds were fired from the shotgun, plus four additional rounds from a revolver. When Scott gets arrested, he tells the police very, very clearly, I'm not going to talk to anyone who doesn't believe in God. And they're probably thinking, yeah, uh, we don't want to we don't want to put those guys in a room with you either. You might have a hidden gun on you. Technically, that's their job, to find the hidden guns. But yeah, that kind of makes sense. But on the other hand, you don't really get to choose who you talk to in jail. In jail, you're basically a prisoner. You're not basically a prisoner. That's the definition of jail, is you're a prisoner. Here's a crazy quote. This is how the article ends. Quote, At the police station, the suspect commented that he believed there is a God. Then, looking at the floor, he seemed to have second thoughts. Maybe there's not, he said. What in the... That is, it's a fascinating story. Just on a true crime level... And then what happened to him? I mean, obviously he was so, he was such a fervent believer. He was a crazy guy, right? That you, you, want, you want your religious people to be somewhere in between a huckster, like an out-and-out fraud, and a religious lunatic. You want him to kind of be in the middle of that? You know, kind of have a passion for what they're preaching and believe in it, but not so much so they're trying to rip you off or trying to rip your face off. It's kind of where you want him to be. But it's like, did he have this moment when he's sitting thinking about it? Oh my God, I shot this guy. Is there a God? I mean, those are the questions you should ask yourself before you load the shotgun. Those are the questions you should ask before you shave, honestly. But fascinating story. I read this. I pulled it out of my new news file. I can't find any follow-up to this. There's no names to it. This newspaper is completely reformatted. They don't, like when they did, because again, it's from 2004. Websites go through designs. Links are lost. There's no information. I actually found, I tracked down this journalist, Joel. And it was a while ago. It was a couple weeks ago. I emailed him. I said, hey, do you know any more information about this? He's loading his shotgun. He's loading his shotgun. He's like, yes, come to my house. Let's have a little conversation. No, 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 no. That was a joke. That was a joke. Don't sue me. But we don't have the names of these people. I never got a hold of the original author of the article. I couldn't track anything down. You feel like there was an other website. I was able to find an other website that is going to be in the show notes that mentions the article. They're like, hey, listen to this wacky news. This guy blew some dude's head off because he was tipping his hat. So we know the article existed. It wasn't just something from my new news file, but there's no follow-up. How long the sentence was, the trial, anything like that. If... This guy could be out by now. I mean, if this happened in 2004 and it was like a reduced competency manslaughter charge, this guy could be this guy could be sitting next to you right now as you're listening to this podcast. He's like he's been trying to turn it off the whole time. He's like, "No, no, no, listen, I'll listen to this episode. It's too spooky." And you're like, "What's your crime story?" He's like, "No." No, as he's trying to turn it off, you notice he's shaving at the same time. Run. Run right now. Get away from him. No matter how much you like this guy, he may be about to shoot you. Jesse, let's go ahead and leave behind Taylor, Illinois. I'm going to toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are headed out as you're running towards the copter. You're like, no, no, no. Scott's running up behind you. Get on, get on, get on. Hurry up. And as you're getting on the helicopter, I look at you. I look at you dead. 
dead on the face, and I go, that was a close shave. Carpenter Copter is fine. I'm leaving behind Taylor, Illinois. We're headed out to Israel. You know, this is a really interesting story because I was going through thinkaboutitdocs.com, which I go through it every so often. I do it by year. And we've covered, we're on episode like 659 of this podcast. And even outside of that, I've done a ton of research, even before the podcast, researching UFO stuff. And when I stumbled across what we're about to cover, I realized something. We've been to Israel in religious stories. We've been to Israel, I think, for maybe one or two like geopolitical weird stories. And I, we've been there for biblical stories. But as far as I can remember, we have not been there for any alien encounters. We've been to Iraq for alien stuff. We had an alien crash ship and Saddam Hussein took control of it. But I research this stuff all the time and I'm trying, I've been racking my brain for days. UFO encounters that take place in Saudi Arabia, Egypt. We have some in Iran, but a lot of times those are like, they're considered to be Israeli or US drones. We did have, it's even Iran's not Middle East. Iran is when you start to get to, to Persian territory. Like Iran, like there's a little bit of UFO activity in Afghanistan, but now we're on a different continent. So when you're talking about the Middle East, it's really you're talking about Iraq, you're talking about Israel, you're talking about that whole region, Syria, Egypt, Yemen. Yemen, Yemen's a little a little farther south. But my point is, is that we're not getting a lot of UFOs from this area. Yemen, we did go to Yemen once. I think that was the ocean at night. And see, even that wasn't, that was like a portal people were trying to open up. So why aren't we seeing a bunch of UFO reports coming out of the Middle East? Because we're getting a ton of them out of South America. We've got a ton of them coming out of North America. We have a ton of them coming out of Europe. And once the Iron Curtain fell, we were overrun by Russian, Eastern European UFO encounters. We'll see some in China. We'll see video footage of UFOs in China, UFO stories in Japan. Australia has a ton of them. Why is the Middle East left out? I have an interesting theory about that. Before we roll into that, Jesse, go ahead and fly that carpenter copter nice and low. We're going to find a spot near Kadima, Israel. It's March 20th, 1993. It's 6.30 in the morning. We all hop out of the carpenter copter. We're dressed up like tourists walking through the streets of Israel at 6.30 in the morning. Like, that's not suspicious. We're all wearing khaki shorts and got sunscreen on our nose. We're like... Try not to draw any attention to yourselves. We're wearing Hawaiian shirts. And people are like, dude, it's 6.30 in the morning. You're obviously not from around here. We just look at them real slow and take a picture with the camera. Click. We're tourists. Zipperette Carmel wakes up. It's a little earlier than she normally wakes up. 6.30 in the morning. And she gets up to go to the kitchen, though. She's up. What are you going to do? As she's walking to the kitchen, she notices... A weird light has enveloped the entire kitchen. She gets her dogs. Come here, puppers. <laughs> very, very angry dogs. She takes her dogs and she begins to walk around the perimeter of her property. And that's when she notices off in a field near her house, there's a large silver box just sitting there. Now, when I say silver box, it's like a vehicle. It's not like a little cardboard box on the ground it's this giant vehicle she said it had 18 glowing squares that ran along the sides of it 
And as she's looking at it, five huge beams shot out of the top of it and was illuminating the early morning sky. No one else is around. No one else is seeing this. But she's standing there with her dogs next to her. She's looking at this silver building. It was basically described as a silo, but a square. So it's a sizable structure. And then in an instant, no noise, no movement, this building doubles in size. She said it immediately grew twice as wide as it had been when she had arrived. At that moment, she saw him. A seven-foot-tall humanoid being appears outside of this structure. He's wearing a tight metallic coverall and a sombrero. Well, that's how she described it. She said it seemed like he had a big hat on with a wide brim, and there was a veil hanging off of the hat, making his face impossible to see. The dogs are already uneasy about this entire encounter, but when the figure appeared, they begin to go mad. They begin to react violently, and she has to hold them steady. But she's waiting for a second. Should she let these dogs go? Zipperette is staring at this figure. The figure seems to be staring at her. She can't see his face. She's looking at it, and she says, quote, Why don't you take off your hat so I can see your face? She hears in her head fluent Hebrew. That's how things were. She feels compelled to just turn around and walk home. She takes her dogs and leaves the strange man and his craft alone in the field. Later, she's sitting in her kitchen. She's like, well, that's weird. I woke up early. And let's see what what happened. The dogs are going crazy. Oh yeah, seven foot tall man. She didn't have she didn't black out, but she got back home. And then later she goes, "Oh, I need to go figure out figure out what that was." Right? She she was thinking about it. She's just reading a magazine. It's probably more interesting than the seven foot tall stranger. She goes out there and where this thing was, it had disappeared by now. When she goes back out there, there was weird markings in the field, and a noxious substance was found littering the field as well. So that's an interesting encounter. But you've heard me use the phrase a lot recently. But is it Dead Rabbit Radio interesting? You have this tall figure. I like the idea that you couldn't see its face. So that was kind of an interesting thing. We've covered stuff like that before. Like, what's, what, is that something that's, like, technological? Is it some sort of mind wipe thing? We don't know. But I read the story and I go, okay, that's interesting. And I kept reading the thing about it, docs.com website for the year 1993 because that was the year I was going through at the time. I come across this. May Rishon Le Tizon, Israel. Three in the morning. Batya Shimon tells a story where she's sleeping at home with her family and her home is invaded by two tall beings. They're wearing white but shiny clothes, almost metallic, that had a glow to it, and their faces were hazy. You couldn't see any detail. She actually first noticed them because something woke her up. She walked through her house while everyone else was sleeping. She went to the kitchen, and a bright light shone inside. When when the light hit her, she said it felt like she was being punched. 
Next thing she knows, she's laying in bed. And these figures are walking through the house. Apparently, she couldn't wake anyone up. She just watched these beings move around her home. And she said at one point, they stood and stared at her son's aquarium. They were fascinated by it. Eventually, the two figures walked back into the beam of light in the kitchen and vanished. When the family woke up the next morning, all the doors to the house were open. And there was a sand-like material that smelled of sulfur covering parts of the house. Now this is Dead Rabbit Radio interesting. We have two separate encounters of this creature from two different witnesses. Named witnesses, which is always nice in this field of work. There's very, very detailed. We have names of towns. We have names of people. We have times. We have another report coming out of Holon, Israel, the summer of 1993. Several humanoid giants wearing silvery metallic coveralls. So we don't have the diffused face, but we do have the clothing and the fact that they're giant. That is a similar thing. May 30th, 1993, these figures show up again in Borgata, Israel. And it's interesting to note that we've seen an evolution of these aliens. The first time they're walking around in the yard, the woman shows up, the dogs are barking at it, is just kind of standing there, has a brief conversation, then just tells her to go away. The second time they actually enter somebody's household, they're manipulating things in there. By the time they get to Borgata, they just don't care anymore. I think they're over their time on Earth. They're, they're waiting for their contract to be up. They can go back home. Hannah Somic wakes up. Her dog is barking outside. She goes downstairs and goes to the kitchen. She looks out the window and she sees her dog outside barking at something. And then she watches her dog get lifted up by some force, by some unknown force. Her barking dog gets lifted up and thrown against the wall. Hannah's obviously terrified by this, right? Most people don't expect to see a human throw a dog, let alone an invisible monster do it. But she goes to run outside. She wants to go help her dog. She opens the front door and she hits an invisible wall. There's a force field there that's keeping her from leaving her house. And that's when she sees what threw her dog. An eight foot tall. It's a foot taller now. Being. In silver metallic clothing. This one also doesn't specify the face haze. But but when you're eight eight feet tall, you kind of get your neck kind of gets craned up looking at it. Okay, maybe that's, maybe I'm stretching that one. But anyways, I, it's probably the same thing. One, it's dressed the same. Two, it's giant. Three, it eight dogs. I mean, the face haze, maybe she left that part out. But anyways, she is thinking in her head, oh my God, he's a thief. He's coming to break into my house. I've read that report about thieves love throwing dogs. And when she's thinking he's a thief, she then hears in her head, you think I'm a thief? So, again, you have that telepathic communication. She asks it. She, she's yelling at it. What did you do to my dog? And it responds, quote, He disturbed me, as you do now. I could crush you, but I don't want to. Just leave me alone. I am busy. She, she realizes that she probably can't do anything to this guy, plus he just threatened to kill her. And the fact that he was able to pick up a dog and throw it 
probably means that he can, right? So she runs back to go get her husband who's sleeping, wakes him up. When they come back, he's gone. Which I'm sure the husband, to be honest, <laughs> to be honest, the husband probably took his time. Honey, honey, wake up. There's an eight-foot-tall dude outside. He threw our dog in the husband's like, oh, no. Um, uh, yeah, let me uh, let me put my pants on. She's like, no, no, just come in your boxers. Oh, no, I can never fight in just my boxers. I'd be embarrassed. He's like, hum, dun, 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 dun. He's like, dude, I hope that guy leaves. I totally don't want to fight an eight-foot-tall guy who's throw- throwing dogs. The, he's gone when they come back. They do, though, find footprints that were... Tell me if this is wrong. I probably could have checked this out ahead of time, but they... <laughs> it's late at night. When they went outside, they found giant footprints. They're like, oh my god, look at these giant footprints. The footprints were a foot and four inches long. That's not that big, right? My f- <laughs> Aren't all feet a foot long? Isn't that the definition of a foot? Like, I have big feet. I have big feet. I, I, I think I have... Maybe I'm, the, maybe I'm the hazy giant. That's why I never live stream, because you can't see my face anyways. No, I, th- I don't think that's big. I think I can make those footprints, but it, uh, unless my measurements are off. They said also in this area, they found a reddish liquid. And then this young woman, she had physical ailments after this encounter as well. Severe headaches, muscle pains, things like that. We even have a report of this same creature showing up on December 22nd, 1994 in Yatsitz, Israel. Two dudes heard an explosion. This is like 9 o'clock at night. They went outside to investigate. Nine-foot-tall man, metallic coveralls. They also specify he had a glowing haze that blurred his face. They were the smartest characters out of all of this. They just shut the door. They just shut the door and called the cops. Everyone else is walking outside, weird, weird lights. Dogs are getting picked up, thrown across the yard. Just call the cops, right? Just call the cops. They both look at each other. Nope. Shut the door, called the cops. By the time the cops showed up, nothing was there. They did find tracks. And apparently there were fruit trees in the area. That summer, the harvest was genetically altered. That's how that was described. So these stories are actually reported by multiple sources. I got them from thinkaboutitdogs.com. Michael Hesseman and Barry Chamish, two separate authors working on two separate books, both put these stories together, got all this information. It's very, very well sourced. We have names of towns. We have dates for the most part. Some are just months. We have the full names of these people. Very, very well sourced. And I'm reading these, and at this point I'm really intrigued because we have a string of them over the course of about a year and a half. And these are the ones that were reported. These are the ones that were put together by these two authors. We don't know how many other sightings, but it's an interesting story nonetheless. You have an alien that's spotted in different locations that's becoming more aggressive. The first story, the dogs are just barking. And then by the third one, he's throwing dogs. (laughs) He's throwing dogs across the yard. And he seems to be growing in size, right? Now, obviously, the growing in size thing could just be witness misremembering. So that that could be, right? We have to allow that. But the story itself is interesting. You have the evolution of this alien being over the course of time in one region. We don't really see that often. Generally, there's classes of aliens like greys or reptilians, and they're encountered in an area, and then they're gone. So why aren't we seeing these UFO encounters coming out of the Middle East on the same scale we're seeing coming out of other regions is really the big question here. One, they could be happening, 
But for cultural reasons, people don't talk about them. It's just not important. Two, they could be happening and they could be being reported, but they're not being reported in English or translated to English. Those are the most likely theories, and I've been thinking about that. I go, this, they, they may be an equal amount of encounters. We just don't know about them. But let's, put on, let's have more fun with this. Let's put on our conspiracy caps to wrap this up. When you think about the Middle East, it is one of the most geopolitically important regions on the planet. It's a key waterway, lots of gulfs, that you got to go through, take little boats, go through Suez Canal, things like that. Mass amounts of oil. It's a major resource that's needed. So just geopolitically, it's very important. Economically, it's very important. And then we have issues like the Palestinian people and the Israelis and their conflicts over that piece of land. You have Iran, which isn't Middle East, but it, it wants to be. It wants to get into Iraq. You have Iran and Saudi Arabia beefing all the time. Iraq is... Kind of kind of side-eyeing Iran. They're afraid they're going to get in. Iran's actually making some pretty interesting inroads into Iraq. But not a political podcast. <laughs> not a political podcast. With all the alien encounters that we have, you think they would be super active in the Middle East. Think about it. Aliens, you need peace. Stop doing war stuff. We are the, the most boring of all aliens, right? The hippy-dippy aliens. The peace ones, you figure to be all over the Middle East. Israel. Don't, this is a secret. Don't tell anyone this. Israel has nuclear bombs. Don't tell anyone. And Iran's trying to get nuclear bombs. Again, not Middle East, but they're they're Middle East adjacent. You think aliens would be showing up there and shutting down those nuke plants and stuff like that? But we're not seeing that. The environmentalist aliens. You need to not be so cruel to the environment. As I'm throwing, I'm throwing a plastic bottle into the bushes. I'm like, what? What? You came all the way here to tell me that? You know that there's a bunch of oil wells on fire. So I'm saying was lighting them on fire. Not even lighting them on fire. There's just oil. There's just a bunch of oil being produced. It's not super, you know, environmentally friendly. You think the environmental aliens and the war aliens would at least pay the Middle East to visit every once in a while? Here's my theory. Glowing face man aside, that was a stealth mission. He got through. He might have actually crashed now that I think about it. He stuck around for so long. And that one story, there was more than one of them. But that incident aside, here's my crazy conspiracy theory for the night. Three major religions have come out of the Middle East. Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. All three of them agree on a few facts. You may disagree with the term facts, but you have three religions. They all believe, in, for the most part, in a couple of things. One, there is a singular God. Whether you call him God or Allah or Hashem or Adonai or whatever name you give him, it's a singular person. And two, there's pretty much only two things that everyone can agree on. Two, the Middle East is holy land. That's where the story of mankind started. That's where it's going to end. The Battle of Armageddon. What if they're right? What if they're all right about those two details? There is a everlasting God who created everything. And out of the entire universe, there is a strip of land that is the most holy of all places. Out of all creation, this is the place he loves the most. What 
alien would be dumb enough to show up there. <laughs> would you invade that? Right? Would you want to fly your spaceship through that and be like, hey, let's see, let's see if the Bible stories are true. Let's see if God really loves this region. What if this place is truly holy? Now, I know when we talk about the Holy Land, it's more like in the Israel region. But, you know, the Euphrates and all that stuff is mentioned in the Bible as well. So we're getting into Iraq, Mesopotamia, things like that. What if all of this is truly blessed and protected by God? And so aliens don't want to come there. They don't want to they don't want, they don't want to mutilate a bunch of cows where before when like people were sacrificing cattle to Molech, entire civilizations were destroyed. Aliens don't want, aliens don't want that grief. What if that's the reason why we're not seeing these UFO encounters coming out of a region that where you would think there would be a ton of UFO encounters? Because it's protected by the ultimate protector, by the guy who created the universe. As an alien fleet showing up, he's like, no, I don't think so. Who knows? It's just a thought I was having. Why aren't we seeing more UFO encounters in the Middle East? It could simply be the aliens know better. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Mm-hmm.